Now let's hear the reading from Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of shale I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever. Yet you brought, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we hear your good news week after week after week, and yet it is so easy to forget. We forget your mighty acts with your people throughout history. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would jog our memories through the hearing of your word. And that through our memories, you may give us hope for the future. For the future belongs to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are in week number three of our series on the book of Jonah. First, God came to Jonah and sent him to the wicked city of Nineveh to tell them to turn back from their wicked ways, to which Jonah replied, nope. And Jonah jumped onto a ship and ran in the other direction, but God came at Jonah with a tsunami, and the crew threw Jonah over the edge into the sea. Just when you thought that Jonah had outrun God for good, God sent a great fish to swallow him up. He goes from the eye of the storm, you could say, to the belly of the beast, literally. And that's just chapter one. Now, at the end of last week's passage, it said that God appointed, appointed the fish, and the fish swallowed Jonah for three days and three nights. But in today's text, Jonah doesn't know this at all. My sense is that hope isn't the first emotion that you feel when you're in the digestive tract of a large aquatic creature. He's kind of in limbo right now. He's alive. He doesn't face immediate death or a crisis, but there's no indication that he's going anywhere. He's, what is, he's in what is now popularly called a liminal space. All the leadership stuff talks about the liminal space. The uncertain place between what was 
and what will be. He's in the dark and has no idea what will happen next, other than his gradual digestion into nothingness. It's a scary place to be and a demoralizing place to be, whether you're inside a marine animal or not. So Jonah does what countless human beings have done in these circumstances ever since our ancestors learned to carry a tune. Jonah sings. We don't know how long it takes for Jonah to come out or for long for how long it takes for this song to come out of him, but Jonah's response to his closed-in circumstances is song, to belt something out. Jonah sings, and the song he sings is both unsurprising on one hand and completely unexpected on the other. It's unsurprising in that he kind of just sings a pieces of a bunch of songs that he already knows. It's a mishmash of different sections of the Psalter, the songbook of the Bible. Each line can be found in another psalm, or the idea of each line can be found in another song. It reminds me of an ongoing complaint in my household. My singing is brutal, but I'll just sing throughout the day and torture everybody in the house. I don't really care. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, it says, speaking of the Psalms. And both my wife Cheyenne and the kids have said at separate times, I wish he'd learn more than just the first verse in every song. It's like Jonah's got all this music in the back of his mind. And so he sings snippets suitable for the occasion. I mean, luckily, nobody was here there to hear Jonah's voice, unlike my family. But we sing the stuff that we know that resonates the most based on our mood. And it's no surprise that this is what Jonah sings the psalms what's surprising though is the content of what jonah sings what he's chosen to sing considering the circumstances he's singing all the wrong stuff he should have the old blues harp out you know raveling about how being deep down and low or in lament mode which is wishing he was a, wasn't resting his head on the stomach lining of a great fish he should be shouting to God for deliverance because only a miracle could save him. And Jonah sings about some of that at the beginning, about being in Sheol, the underworld, the land of the dead, where there's nothing but a shadowy existence, about the waters closing in around his head and seaweed choking off his air supply, feeling alienated permanently from God's presence as if he were locked up and had the key thrown away. But that's not the song he ultimately sings. Jonah's in the belly of the fish. And the song he sings is a song of thanksgiving. Gratitude to God for this rescue. A rescue that is, by the way, that hasn't happened yet at all. It begins with, I called out to the Lord in my distress. And he answered me. And the second half shifts to, you brought me up out of the pit, O God. I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. So not only does the theme of thanksgiving not fit the circumstances, it's also just not true. Remember, there's no indication that Jonah would be rescued at all. He's in the belly and just sees darkness. 
Jonah's thanking God, and it's all in the past tense as if it's already happened, but it hasn't. It's like when we deny my eldest son something he wants, and he acts as if we're going to give it to him anyway. Okay, thanks for McDonald's tonight. Yippee! It's infuriating, and it's clearly not a reflection of reality. Because God hasn't done any such thing for Jonah. There's been no rescue, right? But he's praying in the past tense anyway. Now, some scholar, modern scholars have suggested that the prayer doesn't fit because it's a later edition. That's why the theme isn't quite right. That somebody sort of just plunked the song in there afterwards, kind of like inserting a love song in during a funeral march. It just doesn't fit the story. So these scholars think that it's just some kind of a mistake or error. I mean, it could be. I mean, the Bible went through an evolution, a lot of change in editing before it was finalized. It could be. It could be. But maybe it's intentional. Whether it was written in along with the story or whether it was added Later, maybe in having Jonah pray, thanking God for deliverance in the past tense, maybe in doing this, the Bible is kind of making a point. And the point I think it's making is this. God is consistently faithful. God is faithful in her consistency. Let me explain. The key verse is where Jonah says that as my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. I remembered the Lord. Jonah remembers God. And he doesn't just remember the existence of God, but to remember God all throughout the Bible is to remember God's faithfulness, that God has acted that God has acted in the past and God will act again in the future. When God sends Moses to confront the Egyptian Pharaoh to free his people from slavery, Moses is nervous and he asks God, who shall I say sent me? And God replies, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. God who brought Abraham and Sarah children when they couldn't conceive. God who rescued Isaac from human sacrifice. God who made Jacob into a great nation. God reminds Moses of how he brought newness, a life, a future in the past to reassure him that it's going to happen when he goes to see Pharaoh in the present. Moses is to act as if this liberation has already occurred. God has been faithful in the past, so God will be faithful again when Moses comes face to face with Pharaoh. So he need not be afraid. So Jonah prays in the past tense because he remembers that God is the God of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob. God is the God who busted Israel out of Egyptian slavery. He's heard over and over again the promises made in the sacred scriptures that as they say in the black church, God makes a way out of no way. 
It's the memory of God that gives Jonah hope in the present and leads him to pray. And he prays as if the liberation has already occurred because if he's dealing with the same God as this God the scriptures talk about, then it's already signed, sealed, and delivered. Because God holds the future. Freedom's already on its way, even when all other avenues have been exhausted, even in the belly of a fish, even in Sheol, the land of the dead. God holds the future. Jonah prays in the past tense because he knows the future's already in God's hands. God is consistently faithful. God is faithful in his consistency. Now, it probably doesn't take much of a stretch for us to imagine what kind of impact Jonah's past tense praying could have on us here and now. I mean, we're not exactly in the belly of a fish type situation, although I guess now we can sort of broadcast all over the earth. And, you know, as long as there's Wi-Fi in the belly of the fish, maybe one of you is in there watching with the little glow of your screen. Maybe, probably not. But there are echoes of Jonah as individuals, as a society, and as church. Like Jonah, we're in the dark. We're alive, but we're not sure what tomorrow, let alone the road ahead, will bring. And our language, quite understandably, is past or future-oriented. We long to return to normal, and we pray for better days ahead. And there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, that language is throughout the scriptures as well. But in this grand ancient tradition, we're also given something fuller and something far more hopeful. Like Jonah, we're studied in the stories of God's faithfulness, generation to generation. The God of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob, Moses and Miriam, the God who brought Israel out of slavery through the waters of the Red Sea, the God who brought exiles home from Babylon, the God who chose an unwed teenager named Mary to bear himself in the world, the God who in the resurrection of Jesus Christ overthrew the powers of sin and death and was reconciling the world to himself through the blood of his cross. Like Jonah reciting this thanksgiving mashup of the Psalms, we've been given this great narrative of salvation to recite week after week after week, day after day after day, in trust that it'll eventually settle inside our souls. So that whether we find ourselves at a funeral, only 10 people at this point, only 10 people at the funeral, or laying in a hospital bed after a diagnosis, whether we're meandering through the meadows of meaninglessness or fretting about the church budget, whether we're stressing in a great time of social uncertainty or we're in the belly of a great fish, the hope is the same, that the same song will rise up from within us and that with the expectation that God has been faithful in the past, will be faithful to us here and now and forevermore. So much so that we, like Jonah, we may pray in the past tense as if our salvation were already in the bag, because it is. Because it is. So my fellow fish dwellers, whether literal 
or figurative. May we, like Jonah, remember the Lord, even as the waters creep up around our necks. May we remember the faithfulness of God to whom the scriptures bear continual witness. May we remember and give God thanks. Thanks for hearing our prayers. Thanks for lifting us out of the pit, for raising us up from the ash peep of despair, for delivering the church from this present age and nullifying all sin and death with his new creation. Let's raise a glass to the one who made heaven and earth for pulling us out of the cold, dark deep and spitting us out on the shore of a brand new day. And when we do give thanks, let's make sure to pray it in the past tense as if it's already been done. Because if God is the God we meet in Jesus Christ, then it already has. And for this, thanks be to God. Amen. Please join the choir and myself in singing Jesus, Savior, Pilot Me, led by Catherine Tancon in the first verse. Let's, let us sing. Would you join with me in 